How about that cigar? quiet tonight guys <laughs> what night of the week is it it's tuesday it's our absolute favorite night of the week and this is episode number 57 episode 57 of how about that cigar live what? we're so grateful that you guys are with us if you're watching right now live on facebook or live on youtube take just a second guys share us out to your favorite facebook cigar groups let everybody know that we're live right now and we are going to get into things. It is Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. It's time to celebrate. It's also Taco Tuesday. So we have a little bit of a celebration going on here in the How About That Cigar Studios. The Drew Estate Studios, as always, brought to you by Drew Estate. Let's talk about the Drew Estate spring seasonal release of the Flying Pig Vitolas, including Liga Provada Number no. 9 and T52. The Kentucky Fire Cured Flying Pig has Kentucky seed tobacco grown and fire cured in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Under Crown Maduro Flying Pig has a Mexican San Andreas Maduro wrapper. And the Under Crown Shade Flying Pig has an Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade wrapper, while the Under Crown Sun Grown Flying Pig features a Sun Grown Sumatra wrapper. And rounding out those releases, the Liga Provada Number no. 9 with the Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper. And finally, the Liga Pravada T52 features a Connecticut River Valley stock cut and sun-cured Habano wrapper. For more information on all of that, please visit DrewEstate.com. Guys, like we said, it's it's Taco Tuesday. It's Cinco de Mayo. We're happy. We're, we're fired up. We're ready for a great show. We're kind of tired of the fact that we're tired of quarantine, so... No more, uh, you know, no more doom and gloom. No more down and out. We're happy. We're excited. We're we're grateful that you guys are with us, watching and listening, and we just mm-hmm. want to have a good time tonight. So I I I was up late last night. I was actually prepping food for today because I was excited about everything. I got some uh, got some uh, carne asada tacos. I roasted some vegetables last night. Uh, juiced some limes for making uh, fresh margaritas. Here I got one right here. Uh, fresh made margarita with my Minnesota glass. So, uh, yeah, I'm just excited. You know, it's uh, Garrett. I kind of reached that point where I was like, I'm just sick and tired of being, you know, stuck at home. So I was like, forget it. I got the only but only person's going to change my attitude is me. So let's turn things around. So I was like, yeah, let's make some great food. And honestly, great food is one of those things, guys. Sometimes, you know, if you're kind of down in the dumps, great food can just lift you out of, uh, you know, those crappy times and make you feel better. Hundred percent. So, you know, I'm just excited. You know, it's uh, there's there's good stuff going on right now in the world, even though everybody kind of feels like, oh, man, we're stuck here. We're stuck there. You know, we can't do this. We can't do that. But, you know, focus on those things that are going on good in your life and, uh, you know, put your energy into those things. And, you know, that's what we got to do. Right. I didn't see the corn tortillas. Yeah. Well, I know those are just for me. Um, well, I can't eat the flour tortillas. Oh, true. So, yeah. I'm a corn tortilla guy. <laughs> How about no, you guys? Me too, me too. What do you guys like? Corn or flour? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, let us know in the comments. And since tonight is Taco Tuesday and it's Cinco de Mayo, guys, please leave in the comments, you know, the stuff that you're drinking and eating and smoking along with us tonight. We want to get people involved in the conversation with mm-hmm. questions and stuff like that. But uh, I want to make sure and bring our special guest into the show tonight. We've got a great special guest. He's This is going to be his second appearance on the show. We're so grateful to have him. And as always, I want to let you guys know that our special guest segment is always brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. They are the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. And you'll also find... 
Unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and coronacigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So, guys, like I said, please welcome back to How About That Cigar Live, his second appearance on our show. Please welcome Miguel Chaudel from Crown Heads Cigars. Miguel, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me on the on the show. This is my number, my second appearance. I always, you guys do a great job, and I'm just happy to be here, man. Oh, thank awesome. you. Thank you. We're, we're excited, man. It was... Uh, uh, you know, it's it's one of these. Like I was saying in the in the intro, it's one of those times that uh, you know we we kind of some sometimes we just sort of hit a wall, you know, mentally and you know all this stuff going on in the world. And and I just kind of reached that point where I was like, you know what, I'm done with the doom and gloom. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy my family. I'm gonna enjoy some food. I'm gonna enjoy some drinks and life and all that stuff and and uh, and some great cigars. So, um, Garrett, tell them what we're firing up this evening, dude. I am so excited. Um, so talked to Miguel and, you know, went through a couple different cigars. We wanted to do something with the San Andreas wrapper, you know, Cinco de Mayo. Um, and who doesn't love a San Andreas wrapper? I know. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to rock the Headley Grange Chamaco. Chamuco. 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 So the Chamuco, the Headley Grange Chamuco is, is, was a limited edition we put out. You may still find some out in the wild out there. Uh, the Chamuco is kind of uh, a, another word for the devil or also can be used for uh, a Mexican pit bull. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where the, the name came from. And, and it's our Headley Grange, which traditionally has an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. Um, we've exchanged that wrapper for a Mexican San Andreas and box pressed it. And it's, it turned out beautifully. It sold incredibly well. I'm glad you guys got your hands on some. And um, I think at Crown Heads, we're very, very much in love with the Mexican San Andreas. We've used it on Jericho Hill. Uh, we've used it on our CHC. We've used it on the Chamuco. Uh, and we've uh, used it on Juarez. Uh, so we're very proud, very proud to use that wrapper. We're very proud to promote it and, uh, and, and tell everyone that we're using it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love it. it's, it's one of those wrappers that it had a really big uh, – I mean, it's it's a wrapper that that's been around, but it it sort of had a big uh, it, it had a big push back in I want to say 2014. There was a there was a really big that was a big year for San Andreas. It and, was, um, you know, there's it's it's almost seeing a little bit of a resurgence again right now, um, along with you know some other uh, popular wrapper leaves. But um, it's it's something that you know, like like you said when you and I were emailing back and forth, we want to uh, because you know, of what we're celebrating, we want to kind of, you know, take an opportunity to celebrate some of the great tobacco that's coming out of the country of Mexico. And they really, they really are having some, some great leaf come out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, give us an idea right now, Miguel, you know, there's a, there's like, I, I've said before, there's a lot going on in the world, you know, there's, there's the whole quarantine thing, but at the same time, you know, we want to, uh, um, still enjoy the things that we enjoy every day, but some sometimes you know we can't get our hands on certain products, certain foods, certain beverages. What's one of the things you can think of right now that you're really missing? You know, during this time. 
You know, I, I'm missing the big part of what I'm missing is is the road life. I've spent almost 20 years in this business, and I've spent all those years on the road. That's what I've always been from my days at CAO to Tarano to Duran to Crown Heads. And um, I'm missing the road life, man. I, I miss seeing my accounts. I miss seeing the consumers. And obviously, I have my favorite restaurants around the country. When I'm in Cleveland, I like to go to certain restaurants. When I'm in Colorado, you know, wherever I'm at, Arizona, I have my favorite restaurants. And, and you know, for so many years visiting those places, a lot of the waitresses or cooks notice you. And so I miss a lot of that, man. You know, I'm, I'm definitely embracing my time at home with the family and with the kids. Uh, my good friend, Wes Thornton, who's uh, our rep for us at Crown Heads, he's in the mid-Atlantic and down south region for us. He's uh, He has a lot of fishing uh, that he used to do back in oh, the yeah. day. So I've picked up fishing. I got a fishing pole. Uh, I've got a lake out back that I go to. I wasn't catching anything. And so Wes sent me some lures that were very apparently very good when he was fishing, and they have caught me many, many fish. So uh, I've picked up a new hobby and, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just missing those guys. You know, I'm missing all the people that I see out there all over from Ohio yeah. to New York, uh, all over the place, man, you know, but what kind again, of are you well out here, there's a lot of bass. Uh, it's a freshwater lake behind my house. And then you can go about a half an hour out and you can go hit the ocean if you want to hit uh, saltwater. but I'm practicing right now on just, um, on, uh, on, you know, on little lakes. Yeah. And, you know, so the state record, can you guess the state record uh, bass in Minnesota in, well, uh, in in weight? Well, I'm catching about two pounders right now and, and, and lucky to the three pounders. So I'm going to imagine it's going to be way bigger than that. Let's just 15 pounds, wow. 10 pounds. But actually, the, the Florida strain of largemouth are, are the biggest ones. They are. Yeah. But in Minnesota, it is 8.65 pounds. Wow. That's the record yeah. largemouth bass. And so, you know, it, my biggest bass is like 5'3". Mm. And uh, that was a monster. But I would love to go south, you know, Texas, Florida, um, and, and hit yeah. some of those. Well, you know, the, prob- the problem down here is, is that once you hook one, all of a sudden, you've got three gators chasing your chasing your oh, fish. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta you gotta hit that real real fast, man, because they <laughs> they come after your uh, they come after your fish really quick. But hey, you know, you guys were talking about the Mexican San Andreas, and I just mm-hmm. want to mention something. I think the shortage of broadleaf that's been in the industry. I think there's a lot of people that are looking for Maduro, a good Maduro wrapper, and I honestly think that. Mexican San Andreas, very different flavor, very different texture, very different leaf has kind of filled that void. And I think it's a lot more people have embraced that wrapper. And I think for many years, Mexico kind of had a very negative on their tobacco. People weren't really into using it. And if people were using it, they were saying they were using something else. And so I remember, and you guys may not know, here's a little cigar factoid. Back in the day, I want to say the 80s, all the way up to the early 90s, Mexico, any cigar rolled in Mexico had to be a Puro, just like Cuba. It had to be oh, a yeah. Puro. So, you know, I a lot of, know a lot of the, yeah, a lot of Mexican rappers were kept in Mexico because they had to use them on their own cigars because they weren't allowed to put out any cigar out of Mexico with any other tobacco. In the late 90s or mid-90s, that changed. And, um, and a lot of people then started getting their hands on more Mexican San Andreas. But I remember Espinosa, Eric Espinosa, putting out um, uh, the original Murcielago. 
And I remember that being one of the first cigars where he was really touting that Mexican mm-hmm. wrapper. And I think that kind of started the the second kind of yeah. jump on Mexican San Andreas. For me, it's a very special wrapper. All my um, family members growing up, they smoked Teamos and, the, you know, the dark Mexican San Andreas Teamos. It was a big part of my family being Mexican-American. And so uh, I love seeing uh, the Mexican wrapper getting a lot of love out there. Oh, absolutely. And Crown Heads is one of the brands that, I mean, I, I can't think of a brand that doesn't use San Andreas somewhere in their portfolio, but Crown Heads has has really used it well, in my opinion, and and used it broadly across the, you know, across quite a few different lines. Um, uh, you know, give everybody an idea of, you know, just from from a Crown Heads perspective, you know, there San Andreas can be found in a lot of different places in the Crown Heads lineup. You know, this Chamuco included. Uh, but, uh, you know, what are some of those other sort of key areas, you know, in that lineup of Crown Head cigars where somebody can find quality San Andreas leaf? Well, you know, one of the things I always tell people is that we have our cigars made in several different factories. And when they get their hands on, let's say, Mexican San Andreas, every factory, every blender has a different way that they maybe um, – ferment it the way that they age it and the way that they blend with it so for us we're very lucky um our first mexican san andreas that we were using uh is by don pepin out of the my father cigar factory on the jericho hill line right so that blend is made by jaime garcia and that is kind of their take on mexican san andreas and then with ernie we've used mexican san andreas on a limited line we did in 2018 called chc reserve and that was kind of his take on Mexican San Andreas, his stock of San Andreas. And then we also have put out limited editions like Chamuco and a few others throughout the years. And now we have the Juarez, which is made by our good friends at Ace Prime down at Tobacco Letter Pichardo in Nicaragua. They have a very toothy, very, very toothy, heavy Mexican wrapper that they use. And so although we have many different Mexican San Andreas, someone may say, well, if I've smoked one, do I need to smoke the other? These are different blenders, different factories, and their take on how to use that Mexican San Andreas. So each cigar is very, very, very different. Yeah. And that's so cool. One of the, you know, things about, Mm -hmm. you know, these cigars that we love so much is um, just like you were saying, you've got, you know, San Andreas Mexican tobacco and, but you put it in the hands of a different blender or, or a different factory or, um, you know, even, uh, you know, tobacco that's maybe a little bit older or a little bit younger and, and, all of a sudden you've just got this vast, you know, ability to make so many different blends, you know, with, uh, with, uh, you know, the San Andreas leaf that has such great gritty characteristics yeah. to it. It's got sweetness and earthiness. There's, there's, it's actually a complex leaf on its own. It really yeah. is. So. You know, I, I tell, I tell guys all the time, uh, even if you took the same ingredients, if you took, um, this, if you, you know, the same 10 ingredients to make a dinner and you gave one to another chef, to a different chef, to a third chef, and you said, make what, you know, whatever you want with it, you will get three completely different dishes that will have completely different taste and because it'll be their spin on those ingredients and their seasoning and the way that they prep the products and, and, and the produce. And, and, and so with one leaf, you can have completely different takes on how those leaves are, are, are procured or how they're used in a blend. On top of that, 
um, different different uh, different strains, different um, primings on the leaf is the same way as any other leaf. Uh, the higher higher priming, the the middle priming, the lower primings all have a very different feel, a very different texture from Seiko Viso and even a Lajero that's coming off the plants. Uh, and so we love the fact that we have multiple San Andreas and that it's available from different factories with different blenders. So Ernie, who is you know, he's known as El Padrino. He's one of the greatest cigar makers of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame for Cigar Aficionado. You know, his take on, on, on Mexican San Andres is completely different than Don Pepin, who will probably be a future Cigar Hall of Famer and Cigar Aficionado. And yeah. then our, our good friend Pichardo down in Nicaragua with Ace Prime, you know, they had this, this great love for it. And they really love the toothy uh, leaves that they use. So very different cigars, all sharing the same kind of wrapper. Yeah. And... <clears throat> Is there, you know, so the the fields and the the farmers in in uh, Mexico, how do those differ from farms in Nicaragua or anywhere else? Are they doing anything different? Well, you know, I think what you get with the, a lot of the Mexican tobaccos, you it's all pretty much sun grown down there. There's not, you know, cheesecloth and things, so it's it's completely sun grown. Uh, the soil is be completely different, and they have a very long history. You know, I think people forget sometimes that you know tobacco is an American product. It is from the Western Hemisphere. You know, it, it, they believe that it originally came from South America and through the Taino, Incas, and Mayans. It all ended up in Mexico and ended up in um, Central America, ended up in the Caribbean, and obviously Cuba, where, which made it famous. And so they all have very different ways of, of, of really working the tobacco. I would tell you the difference between a factory in Nicaragua and a factory in, let's say, Mexico there are definitely different ways that they that they ferment tobacco, very different ways that they kind of take care of the tobacco. At the end of the day, it produces the same kind of quality product. But it is a it is a, it's a different culture and it's a different way that they do things down there. And Mexico, we're really not known for their fillers and their binders, but they have found a way to produce some of the best wrapper absolutely in the world. And I think people are starting to see that, you know, as we as we celebrate Cinco de Mayo. And all things kind of Mexican. I think it's it's great that we're talking about this wrapper, and I think hopefully the people that are paying attention, that are tuned in, will make them think about, hey, what what cigars can I try that have a beautiful Mexican San Andreas wrapper? And obviously, it's called San Andreas because it's grown near the mountain, the San Andreas mountain range, and um, the actual name is Mexican San Andreas Negro, is what it's called, and um, it's just a beautiful leaf, man. So it has nothing to do with uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> mm, mm, no, close, close, but no, it has close? nothing to do with that. <laughs> well, and it's also because because I got to confess, while I'm I'm moving the shot around, so so Miguel, just you're on screen because I don't want to show myself. I've been sneaking bites of my tacos behind the uh, behind the scenes here, but it's one mm-hmm. of those you know because sometimes you know having a cigar while you're while you're eating a meal you know doesn't necessarily work out too well and there's a lot of spice in these tacos but the thing about you know this this cigar in particular is this chamuco is huh. it can stand up to the spice you know i'll take some bites of the taco i get all the flavors from the taco then you know i get a drink of margarita then i take a few puffs off the chamuco and i get the flavors from the cigar still you know and it's one of those things it's a cigar that can stand up to a a, a a heavy, you know, after a heavy meal or even during a heavy meal, you know? When is yeah, Marriott come in? 
Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I think that um, Chamuco is a cigar that can be enjoyed uh, many different ways. It's not a cigar that will overpower your palate, but it's not a cigar that's very weak that'll go away if you're drinking something, you know, like a scotch or a bourbon. Or in my case, I love rum. So whenever I'm drinking rum, uh, it's just a cigar that I think pairs up well with a lot of different things. But eating food and smoking a cigar to me is one of the, the best combinations. When you're salivating, you're able to taste so much more of the tobacco. And, and I remember uh, in college, you used to be able to smoke in some restaurants, right? Yeah. And, and I remember there is a very famous restaurant called Montgomery Inn in Cincinnati. They have several locations, and they're known as the Rib King. Um, they're very famous for their ribs and their sauce. And their logo is actually the man who found it, uh, Dan, um, uh, Don Greg, uh, Gregory, the logo is him with a cigar and a crown on his head. That's the logo of the restaurant because he always had a cigar in his mouth. So, But I remember uh, freshman year of college, we would go down there for dinner. And at that time, you could eat and smoke at the same time at your dinner table. And so you were smoking a cigar, we're eating, and it, there was nothing better, man. I mean, it just goes great together. Absolutely love it, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm finishing up a bite of taco No, here. no. Well, hey, I want to give a couple shots out. My boy, Ronnie. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, my buddy, uh, my reps, uh, Ed Trevino, who's out in Arizona, he's tuning in. Uh, Wes Thornton, who's our rep down south, I mentioned him earlier, he's tuning in as well. Um, yeah, man, shout out to all you guys out there. Uh, and today is Taco Tuesday and it's Cinco de Mayo on the same day, man. How great is that? I love it. Well, I told people on Facebook, if you don't eat tacos today, you're fired from tacos. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have a theory on Mexican food. Can I tell you the theory? Yeah. Please do. Okay, so the theory is, I believe, and maybe a little biased, but a lot of people agree with me that Mexican food is the absolute best food in the world. Hands down, it is. If if there was a Hall of Fame of food, tacos would be the first thing inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I think Mexican food is the best food in the world. I mean, not only can you have it high end, you can have it local corner store. In heck, we even made a fast food joint out of the thing, Taco Bell. Mexican (laughs) food. Is fantastic. So God created, said, okay, Mexico, we're going to give you the greatest food on earth. But God has to balance everything out. So he then gives Mexicans the worst music in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm, it's like a polka in Spanish. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. Not mariachi. Mariachi is great. But the polka, oh, it's terrible. So God said, yep. here's the best food. Here's the worst music you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't have it all, you know. You can't, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. But yeah. um, absolutely, man. I, I think it's a great uh, – I, I love what Americans have done with Cinco de Mayo. We've turned into a celebration of life and party and having a good time. And it, what's funny is we're all in this kind of COVID-19 lockdown, and it's not stopping people, man. I was going through Facebook earlier. People were cooking up great food. People were making margaritas. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's turned really into a, a great American holiday, man. It's It's fantastic, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's one of my next questions actually is tell us about, you know, for you and your family, you know, tell us about some of the, some of the traditions and the, and the, the special things that you do uh, surrounding the celebrations for uh, not even Cinco de Mayo specifically, but any, any other, any other things that you guys do to celebrate family, celebrate life, you know? Well, you know, we we eat Mexican food quite a bit. I'm, uh, my wife is Puerto Rican, and she makes great Puerto Rican food. But we do eat a lot of Mexican food. And so Taco Tuesday is like, for me, it's like three days a week, every week. Taco Hell Tuesday. Yeah. And so we do eat a lot of Mexican food. But on like on today, for example, when we're having dinner today, 
you know, we sit and we talk to the kids about Cinco de Mayo because it, there's a lot of pride behind what happened. It was a very small Mexican army that was very ill-equipped. It's like 2,000 soldiers. I think it was like four or 6,000 French soldiers that landed and the Mexican military beat that much far superior French military. And, um, and so it's a, it's a pr- point of pride, especially in the state of Pueblo. You know, the rest of Mexico doesn't really celebrate it, but the state of Pueblo really does. And so we, we always stress that to the kids because that's a point of pride in their history and their bloodline. Um, for us, though, the big holiday is, um, is Dia de los Muertos. And uh, that's a big holiday for us. You know, we, we had the pictures of our family members that have passed away. Um, we do... We do skull cookies and we do all those kind of things to celebrate the lives of the people that have passed away. I always tell people growing up, um, going to funerals in my family, they never felt sad. You know, they were always kind of joyous celebrations. And, and I didn't realize until I got older um, that that was very kind of unique to uh, to the Mexican kind of culture is that that we celebrate the people that have lived, not, you know, we're not mourning necessarily their death. We're, we're celebrating the life that they lived. And, and it's kind of unique that crown heads has a cigar called Las Calaveras, which every year we put initials of people who have passed away on the band. Uh, it could be celebrities. It could be cigar people, you know, cigar, maybe musicians that mean a lot to us as a, as a company that's very heavily influenced by music. It could also be people that are in the industry. We've, we've had Padron's initials on it. We've had Fuente's initials on there. Um, and this, this year's, uh, Las Calaveras, which I'm smoking a sample of right now. Um, it'll have my, one of the initials on there will be my uncle who passed away last year, Gino Perchez, and uh, his initials will be on there as well. So that's a big holiday for us. And I, I think the, the, the influence of Mexico into American culture is, is a beautiful thing. You know, the food, the family aspect and the religious aspect, it's, it's, it's just goes hand in hand. I'm very proud to be an American and I'm very proud to have that Mexican heritage, you know? Do you guys make your own tortillas? Mm. I, I, as a kid, we did. As an adult, I have not. Um, we actually have a taqueria uh, about 10 miles from where I live. And, um, and they make fresh corn and fresh flour tortillas uh, every day. So we go every, my wife will go every two or three days to pick up fresh tortillas. What do you prefer? Well, it all depends on what you're making. Um, if you're doing tacos, it has to be corn. Um, you, cannot, you, get, you cannot have a flour taco. I mean, it just, it, it goes against all, all, all reasoning. Now, if you're, if you're making a quesadilla or if you're making uh, the American burrito, then you have to use flour tortillas. But if you're eating tacos, you have to have soft corn tortillas. Yeah, 100%. Which I'm doing right now. There you My- go. You know, the corn, the corn tortillas are where it's at, man. I mean, that's, that, is, that is part of it. And especially the little ones, you know. Like, yeah. you know, you, then you don't feel bad eating like 10 tacos, you know, because they're so little. Or if they, you know, we this little uh, taqueria by us, they double up the corn tortillas. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know that's that's real deal. That's how that's you do real it. deal. That's real deal. They they put it on the on the hot uh, on the hot yeah. top, two two layers because you know, one's always going to break. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm sure it's not healthy, but it is delicious. <laughs> well, it's, so so give us like like if you had to choose the ingredients and, and you only had a limited amount of money. You're in, you're in the grocery and you only have a pig and you're going to put in the perfect taco. What would you put in that perfect taco? Well, I'm a sucker for fish. So I would go mahi mahi tacos. Oh. I, would, I would use uh, shredded cabbage. I would, you get by limes 
And then I would make a fresh pico de gallo, which we do here quite a bit. So the pico de gallo is tomato, it's onion, it's cilantro, it's jalapeno, lime juice, fresh garlic. So those are the colors of the Mexico flag. You squeeze the fresh lime on, and then that goes on. No cheese, just that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, us silly Americans, we got to put our crema on there, too. Yeah. yeah, you know, look, uh, you know, Mex- you know what's interesting? The Mexican crema is very watery, and then yeah. our sour cream is much more thicker. Either one can go up. My kids like sour cream, so we put sour cream on their tacos. They love that. And if you had to put a land animal on there mm. instead of mahi, where would you go? For me, I would do chicken, but for my wife, it would be carne asada. Carne asada, yeah. Carne like- asada. You know, you got to do it on the grill, open fire. You got to get those char marks on it. Cut it real thin and just lay that layer that taco up, baby. Mm-hmm. And I love pastor too. Oh yeah, tacos al pastor is one of my. There's a there's a place here in town uh, that's part of a small chain. I think they have four four locations, but uh, uh, they they do it right. Their their tacos al pastor is ridiculous. It's really really good, and uh, that's one of my that's one of my favorites. And I for these what I'm having right now, and I was telling you guys before we went live. The cool part is you can make tacos out of anything. Anything. So anything. I, I got leftovers. I I grilled some ribeyes earlier this uh, or over the weekend. Grilled some ribeyes, and one of the kids, you know, these massive two inch thick ribeye steaks. You know, the kids are going to finish all of it. So, so I sliced it up really thin. You know, threw it in a pan with some uh, little butter, a little olive oil, spice it up a little bit, put that on a taco. I mean, please. Yeah. How about lengua? Lengua, lengua, a little bit of tongue. Tongue is good yeah. as well. That's for professional eaters. That but, is. You know, I, I got to tell you, I don't know if you guys know this. At Tacos Al Pastor is very interesting because that was the Lebanese influence in yes. Mexico. And, uh, you know, when they would layer, uh, I think in, in the Middle East, they would use probably um, goat. Like goat, goat or something like that. But when it came to Mexico, the Spaniards had such a big influence and they brought pork to the New World because pork didn't exist in the New World. And so you would have... They, the Mexicans would turn it to pork and then a pineapple on top. And that, and it's basically the way it's cooked is, is all Lebanese style. And that's the big yeah. Lebanese influence in Mexican food right there. And, and, you know, you know, things like tomatoes, um, jalapenos, a lot of people don't know those are native to the American continent. Yep. You know, and people think tomatoes, they think Italy, right? But no, tomatoes are Italians didn't have tomatoes until the 1600s, man. Right. Tomatoes are a, a very uniquely American, just like tobacco, just like pumpkin, just like corn. You know, corn is such a big part of the Mexican um, food, being from the tortillas to just eating anything, elote. Um, and that's a native, native to the Americas, man. Awesome. Well, I think we've uh, talked tacos uh, <laughs> sufficiently for uh, Cinco de Mayo. We did have a viewer question. Uh, from somebody, and um, I think it was Tyler, if we uh, scroll up just a little bit. Yeah, Tyler wanna, wants to ask, Miguel, have you ever blended your own cigar? I have. I, I When I was with Torano Cigars, I got to release my own cigar called Salutum. Salutum uh, is, is Latin, and Salutum kind of means cheers or celebration of life. I did that after my, my brain tumor, my brain surgery. A couple of years after that, I wanted to create a cigar and a blend that kind of celebrated life. And so I was very blessed to have the Tarano family allow me to make a cigar under their umbrella. And it was Salutum. And just so you guys know, you can still find them out there once in a while. You'll find them on the shelf. Um, but 
what's unique about it is that if it was a, a an album, like if Saludum was a rock album and not a cigar, it would have gone copper. So, <laughs> so that was where my blending ended right there. Uh, that's where my blending ended. So I stuck to sales, man. I stuck to sales. Uh-oh, losing you guys. Hey, baby, can you pull the internet at all? It's really slow. Okay. I think we're good now. Okay. Oh, we're good now. Good now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so so if it was an album, it would have gone copper, you guys. It it didn't perform very well, but I was very blessed to do it. When Tarano wound up getting bought by General Cigar, obviously the cigar had no connection to the Tarano family. It was my blend, my cigar, and so they killed it, which was fine. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was a fun experience to have, and I was very blessed to have it, man. Yeah. Love it. So uh, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, your your drink of choice is rum. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm a bad, I'm a bad Mexican. I do not do tequila. Never like tequila. I am. Uh, this is where I think the Caribbean where Cuba, Jamaica, all those places got it right, man. Sugar cane. I'm all about rum, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, um, drinking rum neat obviously is, I mean, in my opinion, I'm also a rum drinker. That's best, best way to go. You know, maybe a, a few drops of spring water or something in there, but, um, you, uh, have any rum cocktails that you fancy? Yeah, man. Uh, dark and Stormies, I love. Um, I do love uh, a drink that I make. I use rum. I use um, ginger ale and a wedge of lime. So I kind of make my own kind of summer drink there. Um, I, what, what is amazing to me about rum is I know in a world that we live in, it's all about spirits and it's all about drinking them neat and but what I love about rum is rum has this long history in the Americas, man. Yeah. You know, sugar cane was brought over. It's planted. It was all throughout the Caribbean and Central and South America. And, and what was unique about it is at that time, it was such a rough spirit that they had to use all the nice uh, fruit juices. You know, you had all these uh, mango trees. You had pineapples. You had all these things growing there. And so they would drink the rum or what they call kill devil at the time because they had to mask the, the, the flavor of rum. And so rum really kind of started off as a very rough kind of. So having a mixed drink cocktail is, is not a frou-frou thing or, you know, it's, it's part of the history of rum. It's part of what makes rum rum. And there's also phenomenal rums now that you drink straight up. I'm drinking Diplomatico. I love uh, Sacapa. I love Zaya. Um, and so, you know, there's a great long history of that. So I when I go to like Las Vegas, I'll go to rum bar and I'll start with a nice rum cocktail and then I'll go to something neat on the rocks. Uh, or I don't do any ice. I do it neat. And, yeah. um, and, and so rum just has that. It has that ability. And this is what I tell. I'm a big rum guy. I tell people, if you love your scotch, if you love your bourbon, your cognacs, that's great. Enjoy them with cigars. I'm not saying don't do it. But if I took anybody to Nicaragua, Dominican, Cuba, or Honduras, all the countries that produce cigars, the people that are making your cigars, the people that are rolling your cigars, they drink rum. Yeah. Rum has been paired up with cigars longer than any mm -hmm. other spirit, man. And so there, you, if you're not into rum, you got to try some great rums out there because rum and cigars are a match made in heaven, man. Yeah. Are you a coffee guy too? You, you enjoy coffee in the morning with a good cigar? 
You know, I, I'm not a regular kind of coffee. I love espresso. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I don't like, um, I don't like a regular cup of coffee. Just never interests me. Never really enjoyed it. Um, if I'm out with my wife and we're getting coffee, I may get like a cappuccino or something like that, but I'm a big, big espresso guy. I think espresso and cigars, uh, you know, a lot of these countries like uh, Cuba or, or, you know, any of these countries, you, you move to the lower lands, you got tobacco being grown and then you go up to the mountains and are growing coffee. There's there. They share the same terroir. They share the same land. And there's a reason why sugarcane grows in those countries and they make rum. And that's why coffee and rum pair so up with cigars. You talk about perfect pairings. You don't get a better pairing than coffee or rum. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you were mentioning uh, that you were mentioning earlier that you would mix you know, make a, make a summer cocktail with rum mixed with, uh, uh, ginger ale. I think you said. Yeah. Ginger ale, rum, crushed ice and a lime. Yeah. So my, my wife and I are big fans of, uh, you know, this, uh, Moscow mule cocktail, which is vodka, lime juice, ginger beer. Yeah. So I've taken to taking all manner of spirits and just creating a new, and not, not like I'm reinventing the wheel or anything because everybody's doing it. But you just you you just change whatever, leave the recipe the same. Just change the spirit you're using. So yeah. I'll make a Cuban mule with rum, or I'll make a, a Kentucky mule with bourbon, or I'll make a uh, 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 an Irish mule with Irish whiskey, or you know whatever it is. And it's that's one of those versatile you know sort of cocktails where you can just just change out the spirit. You've still got ginger beer, lime juice. And then whatever spirit you want to put in it. When you know, they're, they're, I have an account in Arizona, Nice Ash. <clears throat> they, whenever I go visit them, they know that I'm a rum fanatic. So they actually make me a rum uh, mule. They make yeah. me a rum mule, a Cuban mule, I guess you can call it. And uh, they make those for me, and I fell in love with them as well. And there's a Ronnie mule too that has the Mogan David. Or is that Mad Dog 2020? Yeah, yeah. Well, either Boone, one. Boone's Farm. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, Ronnie put in the comments, and, and I wanted to highlight this, but he had mentioned root beer. And I have to tell you, the root beer in the glass bottle and a cigar is fantastic. There's a shop in Cincinnati yeah. called 100%. Bell's House of Tobacco. And Bell's, he was that guy, you'd walk into his store, and you'd say, hey, I, I want to have a cigar. He would pick a cigar for you, and he would shove a root beer in your hand and yeah. say, this is what you're going to drink, and this is what you're going to smoke. And I really got on root beer and cigars for, you know, obviously you can't drink and drive, visit an account. So someone say, hey, can I get you a drink? Yeah, give me a root beer, man. Uh, you know, root beer and a cigar go great together. Absolutely. Um, Chad had a great question oh, yeah. up, up there. He wanted to know what a good, you know, what's a good rum to recommend to start trying with cigars? All right, so the, the, the rum I want to mention to you is Zacapa. Zacapa 23, Zacapa 21, Zacapa is the way to go. It is a Solera rum, and what that basically means is they take rums and they just keep filling the barrels as the angel share dissipates to keep share, putting newer and newer rums in. And so it is my favorite rum. That rum is so good, you can put it on ice cream. It is absolutely delicious. Um, uh, Diplomatico is a delicious Venezuelan rum. By the way, Zacapa's from Guatemala. Um, so 
Uh, Don Poncho is another great rum as well. Don Poncho, beautiful, beautiful rum. Those are three rums that I highly recommend starting out with. If you if you want to get into rums, those three rums are at the very top. You're only talking forty to fifty five dollars a bottle there, and it's and and I think sometimes rum gets that bad reputation because for a rum that has a lot of age to it, it may cost you fifty sixty dollars, where a good bourbon will cost you two three hundred dollars, yeah. and so people think how can that be good, but the truth is, is that, you know, rum is, is in a third, they're made in third world countries. It's sugarcane. It's a byproduct of the molasses that comes off sugarcane. So it's not as expensive uh, to produce. And so I think people have to kind of put that price out of their mind and just know that, you know, if, if, if rum is something that's new to you, or maybe you're like, ah, rum is not for, you know, for, for guys or who's drinking rum. Listen, (laughs) if I took you to Cuba, Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras, these men and women that produce your cigars, yeah. they, mm-hmm. they drink rum. And when you yeah. look at the great cigar makers, there was always a great bottle of rum paired up with a cigar. It's just the history of our business. We're, we're in the cigar business, you guys, from the show to selling to producing. Rum is part of our story in the yeah. cigar industry. Well, and it's also part of uh, kind of similar to to wine where they they say what grows together goes together you know you have cheese from cheeses from france goes with french wine you have cheeses from italy and meats from italy it goes with italian wine you have rum from honduras goes with a honduran you know cigar and and vice versa you know what grows together goes together you know, I mean, look at Florida Cana. You know, Florida Cana, we all, whenever we go to Nicaragua to visit factories, Florida Cana is the rum that's being poured. I mean, what better pairs up with a Nicaraguan cigar than Florida Cana? If yeah. you're in the Dominican, you got Barcelo. Barcelo is a great Dominican rum and pairs up well with Dominican cigars. It, they just go hand in hand, man. And uh, I will always be that guy promoting rum. Um, it's a great spirit. And the history of it is just absolutely beautiful, man. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. And the Bacardi family... We know them as Bacardi, but in Spanish, it's called Bacardi. And they, that the founder, Facundo Bacardi, is the one who took that kill devil and produced a, a way of filtration that made it very drinkable. And so what's interesting about rum is that any island that speaks Spanish really got their rum culture from Bacardi. So they have a very smooth tasting rum where the English speaking islands, um, Jamaica, the places that were really controlled by the English empire, they have a much more naval rum. They have very strong, very potent rum. And then the islands that speak French like Guadalupe or Haiti, they have what they call rum agricole, which is not made from molasses. It's made from pure sugarcane juice. And right. it's very, very refined, almost cognac in flavor. Um, so there's so many different worlds within the rum, man. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things about it. And and the same is true of whiskey. I mean, even if you just look at American whiskeys, we're not even talking about Irish whiskey or scotch. You just stick with American whiskey yep. and the, the, the variety. It's, it's, it's very similar to rum in all spirits, really. The, you, there are probably a hundred different specific varieties of American whiskey. And there are probably, you know, a dozen different types of Irish whiskey and a few dozen different types of, of scotch and, and rum, like you said, is, is really no different. And that's one of the cool things about, you know, like we, like I said, what grows together goes together. You look at all the different types of tobacco leaves that are available at any given factory on a given day. You know, there's, you walk into a factory in Nicaragua, that doesn't change the fact that if they've got a really good uh, supply of tobacco on hand, you could find bales on the shelf from Honduras, from Peru, from Indonesia, from, from countries, 
all over the place. And, and I, I love the fact that, that, uh, you know, in, in these cigar factories, you can literally find bales of tobacco from all around the globe. And, and there's a lot of the blends that we may even smoke on a regular basis that we don't realize, Oh, this has got a little Peruvian tobacco. Oh, this has got a little bit of Colombian tobacco or, or, or whatever it is. You know, I, I tell guys, you know, um, I remember, our four kicks uh, at Crown Heads. That's my favorite cigar. Four kicks is is just a cigar that I can enjoy any time of the day. It's my favorite blend, and obviously it's rolled in the Dominican uh, at the Tabacalera La Alianza, which is Ernesto Perez Carrillo's factory, right? Mm-hmm. And we have these little red booklets that describe all of our blends that we give the consumers. And I had a guy I recommended four kicks. He said no, 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 no. And I said, well, what? Why won't you try four kicks? He goes, oh, it says here it's Dominican. I'm not really a Dominican fan. And I said, well. Just so you know, look at the filler, the binder, the wrapper. There's no Dominican tobacco in it. They yeah. said, why is it, why is it called Dominica? So, well, that's it has to be – it's named after where the country that is produced. So yeah. that cigar is all Nicaraguan filler, all Nicaraguan binder uh, – sorry, filler. And the, uh, the binder is Nicaraguan, and the wrapper is Ecuador Habano. There's yeah. no Dominican tobacco. So a lot of times guys are smoking cigars, and they don't even realize – that maybe that cigar, as you were saying, has tobaccos from all different parts of the world. Maybe a wrapper from Brazil or Ecuador or Mexico. The fillers yeah. are maybe a blend of Nicaragua, Dominican, Honduran. And it's really incredible. You know, the, the days of a Puro is really almost over. You know, Cuba obviously mm-hmm. does because of the, the way that their, their, their government is and how they control the industry. But outside of that, Puros are, are much more rarer today than they ever have been. Oh, we're back. We good? Hey, there we are. We're good again. It's just, you know, the internet is what it is these days. It's uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I want, to, I want to mention something else, too, that, yeah. you know, I've been to, obviously, in all these years I've spent, I spent a lot of time down in the fields in Ecuador. I spent time in Nic- uh, Nicaraguan fields and a little bit in the Dominican. And sometimes you'll see these big fields of tobacco, and then you'll see this big, tall plant that wraps all the way around the farm. And people are sometimes surprised to find out that that's sugar cane. And mm-hmm. they'll say, well, why is there sugar cane there? You know, and because sugar cane can stop, can, can break the wind from breaking the leaves or, or rustling the leaves too much. And so sometimes, you know, that those leaves, the tobacco plants are sharing the same land that sugar cane is being grown on as well. And so there's a, there's a, there's a you know, a connection there, you know? Well, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago about, you know, all these different leaves and that, and the fact that, uh, um, a puro is almost a thing of the past as, you know, it's almost a relic of history, but, but that's why in, uh, on the rare occasion that we do in the premium cigar world, because it, you're right, it is really rare now to see aside from Cuba, it's really rare to see uh, a, a puro from Nicaragua or Honduras or Dominican Republic. And that's why when when you find one that's really outstanding, it's it's kind of like a it's it's almost like a celebration kind of a cigar because yeah. it's so it, it's it and it's also amazing you know the fact that you can get tobaccos with vastly different you know flavors from grown in the same country in some cases even you know in from the same crop even from the same from the yeah. same farm it's just it's it's incredible it's you know one of those one of the 
many facets of this whole thing about premium cigars that that will never cease to amaze me and continue to fascinate me to learn more. Yeah, you know, I think that the tobacco plant is it's such an interesting plant. It grows so fast. It um, a lot of people never get to see the flowers on top of a, of, a, of a tobacco plant, too. They're very beautiful flowers. Most of the time, you know, we're cutting those off and allowing all the nutrients to really feed into the leaves. But there's a long history. There's the, the, the varieties of tobaccos. And then what you can do to tobacco afterwards. You guys mentioned the Kentucky Fire Cured stuff coming from our friends at Drew Estate. They make a cigar for us called La Coalition. But on their own end, they're using tobacco from, you know, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. You know, they're using mm-hmm. uh, tobacco from all over the world. And Syria, I think they're using tobacco from in their, in their natural line. So it's tobacco can be grown almost everywhere in the world. And it, even within the same plant, you have different primings. And there's a reason for that. You know, tobacco is truly an amazing plant and has such a long history on the on, on really the Native Americans that were that inhabited the, the, the continent that we know as North America uh, before, you know, Europeans came to this country. It's tobacco has a long history in that. And then uh, that's what I love about the cigar industry is we fight to keep this industry alive from the FDA and all these OTP tax increases and smoking bans. This is part of our history. You know, George Washington grew tobacco. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Jefferson grew tobacco. Tobacco is in our blood. Um, and if I, if I could plug rum again, you know, people don't may not realize, but back in the colonial days, rum was drank more than any other spirit by the cologne, by the col, col, colonial people yeah. uh, here in the Americas, man. And, and uh, it's a big deal. And, and I, I think tobacco, I'm very blessed to have spent almost 20 years of my life being in this industry and, and promoting it and being involved with incredible people. Um, and I think when you talked about a Puro earlier, Puros have become very rare, but probably the most popular Puro out there is Opus X. You know, that, that's a cigar where people don't realize that Dominican Republic produced great filler, great binder for generations and yeah. just did not produce a great wrapper. And it took the Fuente family in 92, you know, laying the first seeds, which eventually in 96 came the Opus X. And, and that, that truly shows you the complexity of what a Puro can be. Um, but yeah. I, just, like, just like any great chefs, when you talk to any great cigar makers, the fact that they're able to use tobaccos from all these different countries is very exciting to them, you know? Yeah. And uh, that kind of is a good segue to my next question, which is uh, Crownheads has seen uh, a great amount of growth in the last few years. Where do you guys see yourself? You know, are, are you the size you want to be? Um, do you want to continue to grow? And what is that international market looking like for you guys? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think Crown Heads, we're, we're at an amazing point. Ten years ago, we had 60, I believe it was 66 accounts in the U.S. Ten years ago, we were over 1,500 accounts in the U.S. that carry our cigars. That is a, a point of pride amongst, obviously, a, a sales manager like myself. We have um, a mixture of in-house guys and brokers, and we've continued to grow. We added a new salesman out in Arizona recently, and we just continue to grow. We're very happy. I think where we're at right now is not about opening more and more accounts. It's about making sure that we're taking care of our accounts that we have. And look, everyone wants to grow, but luckily, John and Mike, the owners of Crown Heads, they believe in a slow growth where we need to take time and make sure that quality doesn't suffer. And I think, and I say this with with, with absolute um pride that we haven't, you know, sacrificed quality to grow. And so we are at a great place. So I think people still consider us boutique. I think we're probably a little bit larger than what you, what most boutique companies are. Um, 
but we are we are we are at a great size. We sell in Germany, we sell in Canada, uh, we sell in a couple countries in South America, and uh, we're also selling in. Uh, I think it's maybe the Philippines now as well. So we've we've really expanded our footprint internationally. But Germany has proved to be a huge following for us, um, and Canada's right behind them as well. Awesome. Yeah. There's a there's a question up here from a viewer, and and he left a comment too. And I'm gonna. This is a friend of ours from Minnesota, Bill. He says too many herfs. So Bill, I love you, buddy, but I'm gonna disagree because right now we got locked down and we can't be in the. I love. Love, love being in the cigar shops with, with you guys and everybody up here in Minnesota, you know, hanging out and, and swapping stories at the cigar shops. And, you know, the, the online herps, you know, sometimes maybe they get a little. I think he's referring, though, to they, the connection issues. Oh, the connection. Oh, that could be. That could be. Yeah, there's yeah. too many herps online. Yeah. Uh, but Bill wants to know a little bit more about the Luminosa blend. So hmm. Michael, can you walk us through the, uh, the Luminosa? I just happen to have one on me right here. So this is Luminosa. Mm-hmm. Luminosa has a beautiful orange band. Luminosa means full of light. It is our first Connecticut shade cigar that we've ever done at Crown Heads. That's regular production. We've played around with Ecuador, Connecticut in the past with a, a cigar limited edition line that we called Mason Dixon. Um, but as far as regular production goes, Luminosa and Luminosa is made for us by Ernesto Perez Carrillo. It's all Nicaraguan filler binder. The wrapper is grown in Ecuador from Connecticut seed. It is to, if you smoke a lot of Dominican cigars, traditional Dominican cigars that sometimes have more of a milder profile, I would consider Luminosa to be a medium bodied cigar. If you smoke a lot of Nicaraguan or Honduran, a little bit more fuller bodied, maybe Dominicans like Lafleur or, or Fuente, um, it is more of a milder blend on your palate. And it's very smooth, very clean. It just has a beautiful, very roasty, toasty kind of uh, baking spice flavor on your palate. And I will tell you from my rep down in Texas, Brian McGee, that's how he starts his day every day with a cup of coffee in Luminosa. Luminosa and a cup of coffee go absolutely great together. Um, I wouldn't recommend Luminosa if you're drinking a scotch or a whiskey, but if, you're, if you've got a very clean palate, one of the first cigars you smoke in the day and you smoke, you're drinking coffee or even a root beer or something of that nature, um, Luminosa is right up your alley. Yeah. Another really good viewer question. And we, and we, uh, we make that cigar in a Churchill. Uh, because we know a lot of Connecticut smokers are golfers. So we make it in a Churchill. We don't traditionally make that size, um, but we make a Churchill because we know a lot of golfers like that Connecticut uh, cigar on the, on the golf course. We do a Toro. We do a Robusto. And the one that I held up is a, is a Petit Corona or a Petit Corona. And we make that for the guys that need a cigar in the morning with a cup of coffee before they head off to do uh, tackle their day. Yeah. So, all right. Q has a question that I already know the answer to. We talked about it last time you were on the show, Miguel, and it's the easy one. Oh, absolutely. Pete Rose yeah. should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame, and I'll tell you. And here's my argument, and I, if I could go and argue on behalf of Pete Rose, I absolutely will. Um, Pete, it's been proven that he gambled when he was a manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Mm-hmm. But his career as a player, none of that gambling goes back to when he was really a player. You know what I mean? And and so you can be inducted into the Hall of Fame as a as a front office, as a as a general manager. You can be inducted as a player. There's all different ways to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He needs to be inducted as a player. Now yeah. he'll never be inducted as a manager. Uh, maybe if he would have had a long managerial career, maybe he would have. Uh, but he got caught gambling when he was a manager, and so that I think excludes him from being in the Hall of Fame. But as a player. He absolutely should. And the fact that his bat's there, his uniform's there, his cleats are there, if, there, if the Hall of Fame is, is good enough to have his belongings, 
then he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm very happy that the Cincinnati Reds finally, uh, I think it's about three years ago, finally said, listen, we're done. We're inducting Pete into the Hall of Fame. They retired his number. Uh, they never issued his number after he retired. Right. Um, but they inducted him in, and they put a statue of him right outside the ballpark. And yeah. they, were, they, they were kind of fed up with uh, this whole thing, and they said, we're going to induct him in our Hall of Fame. Yeah, he should have he should have been in Cooperstown long ago. I've said it before, I'll, and I'll say it forever that you know he's. I I do believe that he will get in after he passes away. Unfortunately, I I do yeah. think that will happen. Yeah, sadly, it's going to be yeah. posthumously. But but uh, uh, I really wish that they would you know handle the this business while he's still alive. Well, and the Hall of Fames are all you know private entities. They're not. Yeah. It's not all, you're, you're exactly right. That's something that other people don't know too, is yeah. that the hall of fame, it's not the major league baseball hall of fame, right? It's, it's the baseball hall of fame. That's and right. so it's a complete separate entity. Um, and I'm a member of the hall of fame. I pay my dues every year. I get the magazine. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a, like over a decade, I've been a member of the hall of fame. And, and if you're into that kind of stuff, like I am, I'm a total baseball geek, um, you it's a, it's a, they have people in there from the Negro leagues. They have people in there from major league baseball. And the truth is, is that he, he needs to be in there. When you're the hit King, you deserve to be in that hall of fame. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, Josh. Yeah. Let's yeah. Josh is wanting to know about the La Coalition and, uh, were you expecting to see, I'm thinking, thinking he's asking about the cigar aficionado top 25, uh, from 2019. If you were expecting to see it in there. Well, look, uh, it came out at the very end of 2019. It came yep. out in November. Yep. So uh, by that time, they have it all wrapped up. So it wouldn't have an op- a chance to be on last year's top 25 list. It does have the opportunity to make it this year. But the, the, the thing is, is that, look, we don't advertise. Uh, Crown Heads is all about guerrilla marketing. Uh, we're all about events. And, and that's how we market. You know, we don't spend money on the big, shiny ads. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so we don't advertise the Cigar Aficionado. So we have had cigars in the top 25 before. Um, when it happens, we're very grateful. We think it's fantastic. We appreciate it and, and honored to have it. But we never put out a cigar hoping that it makes a top 25. We just hope that it, it's well-received and people enjoy it. But La Coalition was truly a collaboration between Willie Herrera, who's the master blender over at, uh, over at Drew Estate, John Huber, who's, who's our head, co-owner of Crown Heads. He's the one that, that works on every blend. They have been friends for a very long time, and they've always joked about doing something together, even in the El Tatan Tatan Bronze Factory down in Little Havana. But when this project kind of started happening, um, Drew Estate was very gun-ho about it. I mean, hats off to Jonathan. Jonathan's like, hey, let's do this together, man. Let's let's get this. Let's make this happen. We've got great synergy. We're both very similar mind characteristics on what we'd like to do. And so we were very honored for them to produce that cigar for us. It uh, has Nicaraguan. It has a little bit of Dominican in it. And it has a wrap relief that is in very short supply right now. We're having a darndest time getting our hands on Connecticut Broadleaf. Uh, so are our, our manufacturing partners. But Drew Estate has a lot of Broadleaf. And when they said they offered us to use Broadleaf on this project, we jumped at that opportunity. And so I hope everyone out there gets their hands on La Coalition. It's something yeah. we're very proud of. Willie Herrera is very proud of it. And as far as I know, they had it in their booth uh, when we launched that at the trade show, they had it advertised in the Drew Estate booth as well as our booth as well. And for that never happens, man. And they were they were so gun ho about it and we're very blessed that they're promoting it. We're promoting it. And it's been very, very well received, man. Yeah. No, that's good. And it's uh it's it's definitely a good cigar. So good. Um I wanna move into uh this week's 
uh, this week's vocabulary word. Uh, guys, let's tell you about this week's vocabulary word. And as always, we want to let you know that it's brought to you by A.J. Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera A.J. Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. Fernandez himself in order to ensure superior quality. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of premium cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer. Whether it's New World, Dias de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. So, guys, this week's smokabulary word is entubar. Entubar, absolutely. So, so Miguel, you know this term, also called entubado. So, so give our listeners and viewers a little bit of an idea of what this word means in the cigar world. So when you're when the uh, when the the gentleman who is rolling the cigar, right, the bonchero, when he's making a bunch, there's different ways, right? You have the torcedor who puts the wrapper on. You have the bonchero who does the bunching of the cigar. There's different ways that you can bunch a cigar, right? So you have to take the leaves and you have to fold them to a point where you can grab air, so we can draw on a cigar. There's different ways you can do that, and very popular is the old Cuban method in tubar, where they're basically making little tubes. They're rolling the tobacco in their hand, making small tubes. And then they're rolling it into the binder. So you're basically creating airwaves. And that's a very popular way to roll a cigar. The other way is accordion style. And the accordion style is where they fold the leaf back and forth, back and forth. They do that with all the leaves and then they roll it in the binder. So those are the two different ways. But into bar, very popular, very old school Cuban method. And uh, that is the uh, smokabulary word of the day. I love that, man. There you mm-hmm. go. So, guys, that's, that is this week's smokabulary word. Thank you, uh Thanks, Miguel, for giving us a great description of that. Way better than I could have possibly described it. I, um, my 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 description was way more way more basic. So thank you, thank you for that. Awesome. Um, I learned something today. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just glad that I knew what the word meant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that brings us to this week's numero de los muertos. <laughs> All right. Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Oveja Negra Brands. Bring you premium smoking experiences forged from tobacco, time, and talent. Comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissident, and Emilio. Oveja Negra Brands provide smokers uncompromising blends renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. All right, guys. All right, we've got a we've got a biggie. Okay, we've got a biggie. All right. So the number is thirty thousand a year, oh, on brother. average. Thirty thousand people a year die from this. And uh, Miguel, I don't know if you remember, but uh, we kind of do a uh, twenty question style. You ask me yes or no's. I'll give hints along the way, but we got to figure out where that thirty thousand number comes from how I'm, these people die can i throw a can i throw a random thing out absolutely i'm gonna say it's it, the only reason you would bring that up would it have to be something crazy weird strange i'm gonna say people slipping in the bathtub wow that's a good guess that is not correct okay okay is this, is this number worldwide it is not north america no not north america uh 
All right. Yeah. And we got, we got viewer guesses as well. So if you're, li- if you're watching right now, put your guesses in the comments too. Uh, Chad says biking. It is not biking. Ronnie says something else. No Ronnie. <laughs> no, Ronnie. No, Ronnie. <laughs> Someone said uh, jet skis though. Bill says jet skis. It is not jet skis. All right. So it's worldwide. Is it, uh, oh, Beastings is good, but oh, it's Beastings. not Beastings. It's a good guess. Um, so it's not, North America. Mm-mm. Is it Asia? It is, but we need to get more specific. Is it Central Asia? No. Okay, so it's East Asia. Mm-mm. No. South Asia. Mm-mm. What the? It's West Asia. West Asia. So that would be India. That would be India, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So maybe Sri Lanka. Okay. All right. 30,000 a year. Memes. <laughs> uh, I think, I think yeah, the we meme, got a winner. I think the memes number is higher than 30,000 a year. Right? <laughs> uh, snake bites. It is not snake bites. No, we did snake bites once, I think. All right. So we are in Western Asia. We'll call it India. Um, 30,000 a year. Is this related to... Um, Motor- motorcycle accidents. They have no. a lot of motorcycles over there in India. You're right. You're right. It is not. Is it related to uh, animals? No. Not related to animals. So Q had oh, yeah. uh, cows. Q was saying cows. No, no, not cows. Brian, it's not that. It is not that. <laughs> it is not cholera. That's a good guess. <laughs> a 30,000. Eating really spicy food. <laughs> yeah, scotch scotch bonnets. No, I was afraid once we hit India, the the guests would come out right away. Um, you you have over you've overplayed your cards there. We I, are have. Not- <laughs> I have. I uh, I don't know my audience as well as I as I should. I think. Kill, killed killed by a house pet. No, sir. Mm. Mm. Uh, so Miguel, you actually had the closest guest so far with motorcycles. Mm. Bikes, bikes. No. Oh. In that, it is transportation. Oh, is it trains? It is trains. It's wow. Trains. Okay. Wow. So I don't only really say that because if you've ever seen some, there's some video footage and a lot of photographs out there where the public transportation, the trains are so crowded, and there's so many people that need to get places that they'll literally climb on the sides of the train and on top of the train, and there will be just this mound of people outside of the train car hanging on. I've seen and, that. And, I mean, it's, so, is it really 30000 a year? 30000 a year. But if you think about this, wow. every day, do you know how many people are transported by train in India every day? A half a billion people. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's probably a good guess. Well, it's 23 million. 23 wow. million. Every day. Wow. 23 million. And, Do the math on that. Do the math on that. Do the math on that. And, and yeah, yeah the, the number, you know, 30,000 then becomes, you know, um, in one year pretty. Yeah. So last year it was 45,000. And what they are doing now in a lot of the more urban areas is they are putting up walls so that 
Oh, so they can't climb. So on. they if they if they're going to be hanging on the yeah. side of the train, you're gonna get hit by a wall. So they're trying to discourage um, people from just climbing on and uh, hanging yeah. onto the side of the trains. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, yikes! All right, so uh, what we've learned today is uh, into bar and do not get on a train in India. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I got to be honest. I mean, I I would never hang on the outside of a moving train. Um, although in my youth, I guarantee I. Yeah, definitely, would have, definitely tried it. Yeah. But uh, I also am claustrophobic, so to be on an overcrowded train that that I can't even that I'm standing, you know, <laughs> like this, I can't even move my arms. That would drive me seriously, like Joker level crazy. I would go off the rails crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know what country it is, but I, I don't know if it's Japan or China. But I've seen videos on YouTube where they're literally they have people that let people on the trains, and then their job is to shove people yeah. in so the doors can close. Oh, see, I, I, brother, I'm with you. I don't like being on an overcrowded uh, elevator. I, for God's I got sake. the willies right now. Seriously, I'm like I'm sweaty <laughs> just thinking about that. Just yeah. Think- being in that train, I I got I, I'm woozy. I well, can't in, even. In Japan, it's rude to uh, talk or make yeah. noise on a train. Yeah, oh. yeah, very different than the New York experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking over here. Uh, I mean, you got a person on a train singing, another person talking to themselves, another person with a boombox. I mean, you know, yeah. New York. Yeah, I've seen the Japanese trains, man. No one talks. It's as silent as can be. And their trains are real quiet as well. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You learn a lot on this show, man. This is, I, how, how about that cigar? How about that knowledge, man? That's right. Consumer education. The, the education is sometimes useless, but, hey, it's education nonetheless. I, I would like for you guys to add a graphic where it's like that now you know, you know, graphic <laughs> with a rainbow. You know what I mean? I think that would be great for this segment, you know? You know Actually, I had that idea, and what I wanted to do is get a Katrina with the more you know uh, gif that that happens because it's you know numero dos. Well, here it is. Here it is, you guys. You get a T-shirt with "How about that cigar" on the front, and then the, the more you know logo on the back. Love it. And people are like, "What does that mean?" You got you got to tune in. You got to you got to know about the show, yeah. man. There you go. I love it. Love it. Um, so Miguel, you were on, uh, about five or six months ago for the first time on this show. And that was, that was right around the time we introduced sort of this new segment with, with non cigar questions, you know, just sort of fun out there questions. And since you've already had those questions, I went out searching and I found some new ones for you. Okay. Okay. So what was your first car and what was your favorite car? Uh, my first car was a Mercury Sable. Yes. Nice. I, I think it was a 1986 and I took it over. My mother gave it to my brother who literally took it off roading with his friends. Uh, it was given to be given to me in 1996. It was completely destroyed and I only had it for three months and then it finally crapped out on me. And that was your favorite car too, right? No, that was not my favorite car. <laughs> <laughs> it was very hard to get a date in that car, by the way. Um yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, it's funny. Uh, my favorite car is the car I have right now. I, I've been, a, a, I love Jeeps. I love the way Jeeps look. I'm always been that guy who I've seen a Jeep in a parking lot at a cigar shop and I would run out and want to talk about the Jeep. They want to talk cigars. I want to talk Jeep. And, um, about five years ago, uh, I bought a white 
completely white from top to bottom, Jeep Wrangler Sahara Unlimited uh, with peanut butter uh, leather interior. And that is my baby. That is my baby. It has a hard top mm. and a soft top. I can exchange them out. That vehicle is my baby. I love, and actually, I have a nickname for it. It's called the Dugout. Nice, love it. I love that. Yeah, it's called the Dugout. And uh, my buddy Sam Lucia, uh, he said, "You ever name your car?" And I said, "No, I've never named a car." He goes, "You should name that car Dugout." And I said, "You know what? You're right. I'm a baseball nut, so it's called the Dugout." So when I tell the kids, "Let's go out in the Dugout," they know it's time to get in the car. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So. If you could choose to be a member of a fictional family, what family would you choose? Adam's family. Wow. Here, I'm thinking Star Wars or Harry Potter or some shit like that, and you come out with Adam's family. That's why. So I got to know why. They're creepy and they're kooky, man. Come on, brother. All right, modern I, I, Adams family or black and white Adams family? Black and white Adams family. Yeah. I would yeah. be like uh, the Mexican uncle they never had. <laughs> uh, you know, look, I I do not like. So if you read any of my bios on Instagram or Twitter, right, it'll say all the things that I'm kind of into, and one of them is Universal Monsters. I love old horror movies, black and white. Universal Monster, Bride of Frankenstein, um, Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, the the Phantom of the Opera. I love the old. I don't like modern horror movies. I just don't. But I love love the um, the the old horror movies. So I've always been, I've always loved you know the monsters. I've always loved uh, when I was a kid. Look, I'm only forty years old. But when I was a kid, they would play monsters and they would play the Adams Family after school on TV. Yeah. And uh, I would I just I fell in love with those families. So I do like the monsters, but I would have to pick the uh, the Adams Family. I love it. I do too. Um, so <laughs> this is this one's kind of out there, but I I still think it's funny. Is What's the story surrounding your best scar? Oh, this is this is great. I don't know. You probably cannot see it, but I have a giant. Here it is. I have a gigantic scar on the side of my head. It goes all the way around, makes a big C. Uh, I say it's for the Reds, but it's not. I had, um, <laughs> I had. A, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, t- 2007, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And in 2000, February of 2008, I had it removed. And then I had a stroke after the surgery. So I had to learn how to walk and talk again and, and chew food and all that kind of good stuff. At that time, I was an employee of CAO Cigars, and it was family-owned at the time. And John O'Osgener, the founder, he had always fought non-Hopkins lymphoma. So he had a soft spot in his heart for people that have these kind of problems. And so they took care of me. They paid my bills. They kept paying me salary and paid my car and my cell phone. And they took care of my family during that point. And um, so that had a big, tremendous effect on my life. And and so that scar I wear proudly. I remember I can grow a full head of hair, but I, I shaved it for that surgery and I've shaved it ever since. And so when I did have a little bit of hair, um, you know, I'd go to the barber and the barber would say, oh, you want me to leave it a little longer to cover your scar? And I said, no, man, I love that scar. And now that I shave it, I've been shaved for, you know, 15, 17 years and uh, people always ask me, oh, what's up with that scar, man? And and it's something I wear as a, a pr- uh, you know, as proud, you know what I mean? I went through a, a really crazy brain tumor surgery and stroke and I'm better for it. You know, I'm a better person today than I was before that. And I, I learned a lot about myself and my family and, and uh, grew me closer to Christ. And, 
And so it had a great effect on my life. And I never look at it as a bad thing. I look at it as like a, as a badge of honor, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, and that's a lot better story than, oh, I got this scar right here from, you know, getting in a fist fight behind a bar, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) way way better story than that. Well, you know, it's a big scar. So that'd have to be like a few bottles or something. (laughs) Did you get any bionics or upgrades while they were in there? No, they only took out. They never put anything in. <laughs> you know, it's but you know we talk about you know uh, uh, claustrophobic and maybe scared of heights. But since I had that surgery, man, uh, they take all my bounce nerves out on that side of my head. So you have, I think you have like two on each side. So I don't have any on this side. So, but the human body is so amazing. Your body kind of compensates after you after a couple of years, right? And so. I can't get on roller coasters. I can't watch 3D movies. Yeah. Uh, I scare the hell out of me now. I don't have a lot of balance. So even driving at night, after two or three hours, I can get a little woozy. And so I would say that uh, no bionic nothing. I'm not uh, the million, you know, the million dollar man or whatever they called that. Uh, I'm not as sharp as I once was. So they only took and did not add. <laughs> so if you suddenly had the power to teleport yourself what would be the first place you'd go? Uh, well, one, uh, I would uh, love to go back and meet Jesus. That would be something I'd love to do. But on a, on a, on another note, I would love to go back and this may sound completely silly, man, but I would love to go back and experience the big red machine night, uh, the, the 1975, 1976 world series. Um, beat the hell out of Boston, beat the hell out of the Yankees, one of the greatest teams ever assembled on the field. As silly as it may sound, I'm a baseball fan, so that would be, for me, the first place I would go. Yeah. Um, so did you ever put anything in your high school <laughs> locker that should not have been there? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so um, – I listen, this is a God honest truth that my, my best friend in high school was a gentleman by the name of Gabriel and his family was from Mexico and he was first generation. I'm like second generation. And we went to a school where there were not a lot of Mexicanos. There were a lot of not a lot of Mexicans. So we felt like we almost had to be overly Mexican. So no joke. We never kept any books in our locker. But when you opened our locker, we had a Mexico flag and we had a candle of the Virgin Mary. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. it was like how like how can we be more Mexican than Mexican? And so <laughs> it was it was like it was like a it was like a like a temple, you know what I mean? It was, yeah, it, yeah. was oh, it was so stupid. It was so silly, man, but I'll never forget that. It was it was such a silly thing, man. <laughs> Ronnie. Oh what did Ronnie. Say? <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't have any nudes of Pete Rose. That's no, that's uh I don't, I don't, but he did do an underwear commercial back in the eighties. And that was enough for me to see. (laughs) That was more than enough. More than enough. All right. Let's, uh, let's move into this week's uh, notable smokables. Um, Miguel, you may remember this. We always talk about a couple interesting cigars we smoked over the last uh, week or so. Um, I'll jump, jump off here with uh, uh, this was a a shout out to uh, uh, Joseph Guzman. Uh, Joe, thank you for this cigar. This was the, my father, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, El Hijo, El Hijo. I don't know how to, how you pronounce that uh, that uh, cigar, but I, I pronounce it delicious. It was <laughs> really, really, really good. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. Again, uh, Joe Guzman, thanks for that uh, great cigar. 
for me, I did a a little event with uh, Casa Cuevas, and oh yes, dude, um, it had been some time, and unfortunately, I wasn't. I don't think I paid much attention to cigars then when I had them. And um, so I, I, you know, got this pack of Casa Cuevas and I had uh, one of their new signatures, uh, Maduro. And you're likey, bro. I got one for you. Nice. You know, Luis Cuevas, they're a new name in the cigar world, but they're not a new family. They've been in the tobacco right. business for generations uh, in the Dominican Republic. They had a very close relationship with the Taranio family. I have all the respect in the world for Luis and his son uh, and the grandfather. They are a first-class family. And if anyone has not out there try to Cuevas, you've got to try Cuevas. They are first-class all the way. They give back a lot. They're a wonderful family. You may be not familiar with their cigars, but undoubtedly you've, you've smoked their cigars because they made so many for other people. But now they have their cigar with their name on it, and that's a cigar that is always in my rotation. And Miguel, what you just did right there is something you don't see in a lot of other industries. You gave proper respect and props to what some, you know, in other business would be a competitor, but it is mad love in this industry. And that's what we love to see. It's one of the things that we love about cigars. So I just want to give you props for giving props. Well, you know, when we, when I was at CAO, we used to do the big smokes with cigar aficionado and, um, and we would do these big events and people would say, Oh, is Rocky your competitor? Or I like yours better than this Perdomo or whatever. And, and we'd be like, no, 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 no. Like we're all cool. You know, you don't have to pick sides. And I would tell everyone at these big smokes, before they opened that door to let everyone in, all the cigar makers were all together talking, trading cigars. And then it would say, hey, five minutes to opening and everyone would go to their booth. I would tell people that story because all these guys have so much respect for each other. There's very little bad blood in the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Cuevas is just a family that has a lot of meaning to me. They're great people. I've run into them all over the place. And I've I've known that family for years. And I'm so happy to see that their cigars are getting out there and people are finally knowing the name Cuevas. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Miguel, obviously, you know, you're smoking crown head stuff all the time, but from time to time you get to try something, uh, you know, outside of, uh, the, the CH portfolio. Is there anything interesting you had recently that you said, man, this is, this is really good. Yeah. You know, uh, very blessed. I get a lot of cigars sent to me from, uh, cigar makers, from cigar manufacturers, all the way from different, uh, consumers even send me stuff and other reps. They love sending me different cigars. So, you know, I smoked recently, a couple H Upmans that were made by AJ for Altidus that just blew me away. It has like a baby blue band on it. It was absolutely stunning mm-hmm. blend. I mean, all the way from front to the back. And I've been smoking a lot of Ace Prime cigars because we just picked up their distribution and we're good friends with them and they make wars for us. So I've, I've smoked their cigars, but more on occasion. And now I'm smoking really digging deep into their blends. And uh, they actually have a Connecticut hybrid. It's called the Pichardo Connecticut but it's a hybrid, like the wrapper is 25% Habano and 75% Connecticut seed, and they're growing it in Ecuador, and it just blew me away. It's just a whole different take on Connecticut, and so I've been smoking a lot of that lately, but uh, very blessed. I, I do smoke a lot of Padrones. I love the 6000, that little torpedo. Yeah. Um, probably one of the best Padrones, uh, I think, made out there. Everyone's always talking about the anniversarios and, and you know, the, the 26s, but, man, that 6000 is right on point, man. Yeah. Uh, my my last one that I that I wrote down on my notable list this week was ironically it was so we had the whole 
shutdown quarantine thing. So my day job, I couldn't go to my office and I ordered some cigars and I accidentally put my office address instead of my home address. So they were sitting in my office for three weeks. Um, But, uh, and somebody from office services contacted me and said, what do you want me to do with these? I said, just sit them on my desk. I'll get to them when I get to them. And I had to go into the office last Friday on the first and test. Uh, we're doing some system testing that required me to be in the office. So I went there to the office and there's this poor little box of cigars sitting on my desk. And, and, uh, but fortunately they were, they, the, the place where I bought them from packed them properly. And there was a Bovida pack in there. Beautiful. So I was so excited. I got the cigars home and I was like, screw it. I don't care. I lit one up. <laughs> and I mean, See the uh, the Espinosa uh, Laranja Caixa, that box press oh. Corona. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's been it's it's been a blend that I've really enjoyed since it first came out. But when they introduced that special Vitolo in that box press, there's something about that cigar in that box press that I, I consider it the 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 best of the bunch when it comes to that particular cigar. And and it just even even these yeah. cigars that sat in this. You know, that sat in the box on my desk for three weeks. Fortunately, you know, and this is a shout out to the retailers that take the extra step to, you know, to really pack cigars properly so that when they land at somebody's home, if they can't get to them right away, they're going to be in good condition when they're finally able to get to them and smoke them. So yep. yeah, um, I, lo- I love Espinosa. My buddy, a brother from another mother, Jack Tarano, works for Eric Espinosa. I love those guys over there, man. Salt of the earth. Great guys, man. Really good dudes. Uh, I want to shout out my buddy, Sam Lucia, who's turning in. My buddy, Sam. Sam and I spent a lot of time on the road. Um, uh, a lot of great memories. Uh, and I also want to shout out Mickey Pegg, who is our vice president of sales at CAO. He's got his own cigar brand out now called All Saints. He's tuning in as well. So I want a big shout out to those guys. I and mean, I love those guys. Yeah, that's great. Thank you guys awesome. very much for joining us and watching. And um, so it's uh, I want to give guys some programming notes of some cool stuff we have coming up. And it's actually interesting. Some of the stuff we've been talking about the last few minutes. Um, so looking ahead to next Tuesday night. Uh, so, you know, uh, Noah Geyer from irobusto.com. He does cut light smoke reviews on YouTube. Um, one of the nice guys. Fort, you'll ever- Fort Wayne, Indiana boy. Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's right. One of the nicest guys you could ever hope to meet. He's just a, he's, he's just like a, like, like a, a bearded ball of sunshine. He's just a great dude. <laughs> and he, um, he and his friend Casey started this new company called Char where they're making these absolutely ridiculously stunning, beautiful, solid hardwood pieces for the ashtrays and cigar stands and, and coasters. And it is some of the most beautiful stuff I've seen. And I I said, guys, I want to, I want to bring you on the show and let you talk about this, this new venture. And they literally just launched, you know, they've been teasing it on Instagram and stuff, but they just launched last week officially. Uh, So we're excited to have them on and talk about these new products, these new cigar accessories they're making. I got I to gotta tell you, I've seen them. They are the, a cigar ashtray is meant to be used, but man, they are beautiful. Yeah, they, they are little pieces of art, man. They are absolutely when all of us are using, you know, cheap ashtrays. If you want your if you want to get something special, yeah. like a statement piece. I mean, that that char designs is off the hook, man. It yeah. Is. yeah, it's awesome stuff. So we're excited to talk to them the following week on Tuesday night, the 19th. Um, we're going to talk to Michael Herklotz from Nat Sherman Cigars. He is somebody who's also been in the industry for a really long time. He knows he knows the industry, and 
Um, I'm also excited, although uh, this will be a, a you know a separate show, maybe that we get to talk about music. But he and I have some similar musical backgrounds, so I'm excited to talk to him about uh, you know music as well. Uh, but we're definitely going to dig into Nat Sherman cigars on that night, and then following that on the 26th, um, we just just talked about him. We're going to have Luis Cuevas from Casa Cuevas Cigars live on the show. So that'll finish out the month of May for us here at How About That Cigar. Um, Guys, as always, you know, we're excited that you have uh, spent some time with us tonight listening and watching. Uh, Miguel, give us a final shout out. Where can people find out more about Crown Heads and um, uh, what can they expect to, uh, you know, see from you guys in the future? Well, look, I'll be tuning in. I love to hear Michael Herc a lot, so I'll be tuning into that show. Best dressed guy in the cigar industry. And uh, Luis Cuevas, please give him my best, man. I love that guy. Um, Crown Heads, man. Check out our website, crownheads.com. Uh, if you want to follow our company's Instagram page, that's really where everything goes down. Not, I mean, a little bit of Twitter, a little bit of Facebook, but check out The Crown Heads on Instagram. Uh, you can get our cigars at over 1,500 brick-and-mortar shops across the U.S. If your brick-and-mortar doesn't carry Crown Heads, tell them to reach out. We're more than happy to take care of them and bring them into the Crown Heads family retail. Um, there's a lot of great online uh, partners also that, that sell our cigars. We're very proud of that. Uh, I would say that we've launched a new platform called Bulb. Um, I would tell people to check out www. No one ever says that anymore, right? TheBulbBox.com. Check out that website. It's a Cigar of the Month club that benefits are the local brick and mortar shops that we've, we've started. Um, yeah, man, just, I'd love for you to check out crown heads. We're, we're a company of passion, a company that really loves the industry and we want to give back in, in, in every which way possible. So we try to make great cigars. We take care of the people that make our cigars and we're just blessed to be in this industry. And thank you so much. Every time you like a crown heads, it truly means a lot to us. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we love having you on. Uh, one more thing that I just want to mention is, uh, we have uh, some news that will be uh, hitting here pretty soon about a uh, another addition to the show. So um, stay tuned for that. We've yeah. got some uh, exciting things happening there. Absolutely, I think, I, yeah. I think I think that's what they call in a business a cliffhanger. That is a, that is a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, that is a cliffhanger. And and uh, yeah, we're excited. We we've got stuff happening here at How About That Cigar as well, and we're excited to. It's a, it's an industry that we love. And it's a culture that we love, and we want to see the culture survive, and not only survive but thrive. We want to see this cigar, this premium cigar culture, uh, thrive worldwide, and and because it's it's meaningful to us, and we we know that it's a it's a culture that is that is uh, it's it's beneficial. To, I don't want to get all you know get all high horse, but it's it's a cigar. It's a culture that's beneficial. to the world and you know regardless of how people feel about tobacco products the premium cigar culture is is extremely unique and beneficial and and it's something that we you know we love here and and we're continuing to grow here as well and Mm -hmm. and miguel we thank you and crown heads for you know uh being a part of the show tonight um we we would love to have you on again obviously this is for uh for your third visit on the show and I, would, I just want to say to you guys, thank you guys for doing what you do. Um, uh, you know, I think about people that smoke cigars in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. They got they had to smoke. They had to go to a cigar shop. What I think is amazing about today is that we have great retailers. We have great manufacturers. And then we have great people like you who bring this content over the Internet where guys can be sitting in South Dakota. A guy could be in Florida. A guy can be in Arizona, Colorado, Minnesota. And we can all connect together on this industry that we absolutely love. We're very blessed to be alive today great cigars with the technology the fact that you guys take time out of your day 
and create this content for our industry is something that I can tell you from the bottom of my heart. It means so much to me. And uh, thank you guys for doing what you do. And thank you for putting on a great show, man. And I'm here anytime you need me. Yeah, we that appreciate means a lot. it. Yeah, it means a lot. We yep. thank you. And and all our viewers and listeners, guys, if you've been with us on Facebook and YouTube tonight, thank you so much for giving us your time. Yep. For all of those who listen on the audio podcast when you're working out or driving down the road, thank you so much for making us one of your podcast choices. We really appreciate that. Um, and like I said, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're really excited about it and continue to be a part of the cigar culture, continue to support your brick and mortar shops. Even if it's only yes. a curbside delivery, get out there and support those brick and yes. mortars. And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thank Thanks, you. Guys.